Hi, and thanks for tuning in. This is Carm from This Girl Puts Out. Before this episode begins, I need to let you know that we encountered some digital interference in the first 10 minutes of this recording. Unfortunately, it wasn't discovered until editing. After a discussion with my guest in the podcast community and in the spirit of life and technology being perfectly imperfect, those are my guest words, we've decided to publish the episode unedited, warts and all. There is static for the first 10 minutes of the recording with a really bad section at about three minutes in. Most of that 10 minutes is still very listenable, and the episode is just so good that we felt re-recording would diminish the authenticity of the discussion. I've included a transcript in the episode description just in case you need it, but I really hope you hang in there with us. My guest today is very special, and she's really hoping to help some people. We appreciate your understanding. Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Car Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome everybody to This Girl Puts Out, episode number 12. Today we are going to be discussing my guest's experience with an eating disorder. I do have one disclaimer before we get started. The information that you are about to hear is for educational purposes only. It is not to be substituted for medical advice. Listeners that have any concern about eating disorders should contact their healthcare providers There is a link to the American Academy of Family Physicians brochure on eating disorders included in my podcast description, and I will give you the website at the end of our uh, discussion today. So our guest today just happens to be a physician, (laughs) but today she is just a woman, and she's sharing a very intimate experience with all of you, so I'd like to welcome Megan. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Um, We're going to dive right in, so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am Megan Jacobs. I am a pediatrician. I work at a children's hospital and I take care of um, inpatients, so kids who are sick enough to need the hospital, but not quite sick enough to need ICU level care. And um, I'm from Lewiston and I have a wonderful, wonderful family that I moved home to be around. And I love um, having nieces and nephews to hug and kiss and love on. And um, that's pretty much me. Nice. And you have you have a new addition to your family. I do. I have a new puppy who I love, love, love. And he's brought so much joy. I love his name. <laughs> Jethro. Jethro. Yes, great name. Okay, so um, did you always want to be a pediatrician? Absolutely. My mom says that it's since I was old enough to talk, it is the only thing I've ever said. And I certainly don't remember wanting to do anything differently. So... I guess I thank my pediatrician for growing up for that. I've always thought 
he did something amazing and I wanted to do the same thing, but nope, I have never wanted to do anything differently. That's that's really unusual. I mean, it's wonderful um, to to have known way back then. My son wants to be 12 things. <laughs> I didn't always know what type of pediatrician I wanted to be. Like, depending on where you asked me in my career, I would have said something totally different, but I always knew pediatrician for sure. Awesome. That's great. My pediatrician smoked cigars in his office. <laughs> All I remember is the smoke. We would leave the examination room, and the nurse would say, okay, you can go back to his office, and there you would sit in the middle of all that smoke, and I, I'll tell you what really stuck in my mind is his daughter was a nurse, and he had a picture of her graduation on his desk. I thought she was a lovely example. She was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen, but I had to see her through the smoke. Anyways, um, so when you went to college, um, you uh, enrolled, you know, right from high school, you went to college, and so you started school, and how did you deal with the pressures of school? Yeah, I guess dealing with the pressures of school is an interesting question for me, because I've been going to school for so long, becoming a physician takes a really long time, and you go to lots of different stages and lots of different types of school, and I definitely think I got better at coping with school as time went on. But, but um, when I was, when I was young, young and coming out of high school, of high school I, I wasn't all that great with it. And, and um, um, actually, actually, the story starts even before that, before because, that because when I was, when in, I was high school, in high school, I was, I was a rower. I did crew. And I took it very seriously. As most things in my life, I achieved for the highest rank and the best of everything. And I took it rowing the same way. And I was a three-time state champion. Um, and something, um, I, something I still am very proud, very proud of. of. But, but um, my um, last year of high school, school, when I was rowing, um, I'm very I'm short, short, short rower. I'm only 5'3", five, five, and rowers are all much taller. taller. And so, and so I, was I was told by my coaches, coaches that if I would, I would go lightweight, I would be working more competitive, and I would be more attractive to colleges during the process. And, and just a, just a uh, disclaimer from my end, my, my coaches, my coaches were, were wonderful, wonderful, they were careful, careful. They were, they were never, never pressuring me to wait or do any of those things. things. Um, they um, were just they trying, were just trying to give me the best shot at what, what my dreams, my dreams were. were. Mm-hmm. And so, and so um, um, I, was I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I can do that. I wasn't far away from it. It wasn't like I was going to have to do anything substantial. I was already practicing six days a week, twice a day, as part of my regular rowing. Career, career. Um, um, and so, and so I, started I started restricting, restricting them. them. And that, and that was because, that was because I, I really, really was not that not part of the tradition. I didn't know much about it. About it. And, that, and that was the way I thought everyone, everyone lost weight. And so during my senior high school, I did restrict quite a bit to become a lightweight rower, which I did without really much of a problem. And I continued to be at a high level of athleticism when I was rowing. Going and doing great, and I think that then, then I was I would have called, called myself healthy. healthy. I was at a, was at a healthy point, point. but but um, the more and more I went through the college recruitment process, the more I decided, decided I already knew this earlier. Earlier, earlier, my dream was to be a physician. It was not it was not to become a homework rower, and so I decided not to row in college. I decided to take to take myself out from the recruitment process because I wanted I wanted to be able to focus on academics. 
And, yeah, and when, I, when I did that, that I think that's when that's I, when I feel, feel now, now looking back, back, I know I had that, had that first year of, year of you're going to gain weight because, because you are not, are not growing anymore. And part, and part of me, my, my identity, really, really went away when I stopped doing, doing that something that I loved. And then, and then I, went I went to college, and I was away from my family for the very first time. I mean, I'd like to think I was a pretty independent kid, but... That transition, that transition from home to not home was a big one, and I felt, and I felt pretty, out pretty out of control. And, and, um, and the more out of control I felt, the more I realized that by restricting, I could take take control. And so, and so I did. I did. And, and the, the more weight I lost, and the more I was able to restrict, the better I felt. And it was almost like a for lack of a better term, term, a high. I, I, mean, I would weigh myself, weigh myself sometimes three, three, four, five, six times in a day, and, and um, I would love the lowest number I saw, and it would be, it would be a, a good thing for me. Um, so clearly, when I went to college, I was not coping that well. Um, and you know, as the story goes on, we'll we'll get into it. But I certainly feel like my coping skills got better. But in, the, in that moment. Coping was, my way of coping was restricting. So, and it wasn't like you were saying to yourself, I'm going to control something in my life. I'm going to restrict it. You were just doing it because it felt good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, now I can have that kind of look back and and realize that's what I was doing. But in the moment, it just felt great. It felt totally mine and um, that number I, I can still remember getting on the scale so many times a day and thinking about that number and looking at that number so you brought up another good point you know you didn't know much about nutrition you just knew that you exercised a lot and that was a way to keep your weight in check I think as medical people too we just presume that people have the same amount of knowledge that we do about what's a carb, what's a fat what's a protein and and they don't and I think it's so much better now than it used to be you know like I, I've literally been on a diet since fourth grade I, I knew that stuff very early but I thought everybody did and they they don't right you know so um and I would say I mean certainly you know when I stopped rowing and when all these things Mm -hmm. kind of came together that's Mm -hmm. when it really hit a height Mm -hmm. heightened point in my life Mm -hmm. but to your point even now looking back I mean I am a curvy person and I love my curves now but looking back I remember growing up and and always comparing myself to others Mm -hmm. and thinking like that my curves were not good or made me bigger yeah and now I look at pictures from when I was like a a little kid and I'm standing in a group of you know my all my best friends from then and I'm like I really wasn't that much bigger it just seemed like it in my head so yeah I I think that that's something that kind of perseverates through all culture and society for sure and you know you're having I mean being away from school being away from rowing for the first time you had a lot of things actually stacked against you. you yeah, really did. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's a lot of tough stuff for a, a young kid to deal with, you know? And we're just not, we are not copers mm-hmm. at that age. Right. We're just not. Right. Um, so when did you know there was a problem? Did I ever admit there was a problem? Probably not. <laughs> I, like I said, at that, at that time, I loved what I was doing, mm-hmm. and I thought that this was the best there was. Um, I, I even learned, like, little tricks, mm-hmm. which is terrible now looking back, but I learned tricks. Like, 
my friends and I, because we were in college and we all had different schedules, different majors, whatever, we always ate dinner together. And that was our, our thing. We met at the same time, at the same place to eat dinner together. So I knew I couldn't hide then. Mm-hmm. I had to eat something then. I had to eat in front of them. Mm-hmm. But it was the other times of the day. And they didn't really know that that was probably the only thing I was putting in my mouth the whole day. Um, Because for breakfast and lunch, I could hide it. Mm -hmm. Um, But dinner, I wasn't able to hide. Um, I didn't really ever admit. Now, I I certainly would. But (laughs) then I did not admit I had a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, My friends went to my parents. And my parents um, fairly quickly were kind of came down on me and were like, this is not happening. We're not, we're not doing this. Um, and they knew that the one thing, as I've said, my only goal in life was to be a pediatrician. So they knew that, um, pulling me out of school would have been a a big threat for me because Mm -hmm. I loved school and that was my Mm -hmm. goal. Um, and so I remember my, um, dad looking at me and saying, I will pull you out of school. (laughs) You will not do this. Like, you are going to be healthy and you're going to you're going to go where you want to go but i will pull you out of school and i will this will stop until you are healthy to do it and for me that was like uh uh-uh, uh i can't i can't mm-hmm. stop school mm-hmm. um and so from there i begrudgingly agreed to go and to do get some help yeah so um Was there a period of time, like, between you knowing there was, like, you knew something was off, right? I oh, mean, if, absolutely. If you're playing games about when you're going to eat in front of people, you know there's something wrong. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So, I guess, how long before they went to your parents? How long was it bad before mm-hmm. they went to your parents? Probably, I would say, six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Probably around six months. Yeah. And And... I knew, right? Everyone knows. You you can sense when you're not... I mean, I come from a a very gigantic family where food is kind of part Mm -hmm. of our, I don't know, our Mm -hmm. culture. And so for me, not wanting to ever indulge in anything, that that was wrong. And and I knew it. um, But admitting it is a whole other (laughs) ballgame. Well, I had a question here. It says, do you remember the thoughts going through your mind at the time? I, and I think you probably already answered that. You, It was like a high for you. Oh, absolutely. Was, absolutely. That's what was it going through your mind. great. Yeah. But I also remember, I, I mean, I said what my, my dad saying, I, I will pull you out of school. Yeah. Um, I also remember my family's reactions. And to me now, that's mm-hmm. probably what hurt, still hurts. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't actually care that I was hurting my own body in the sense Mm -hmm. that I'm healthy now and that's wonderful and that came around but I still really it hurts me that I hurt them yeah um my siblings are two of my best friends in the world and I remember my my brother who's I'm the baby so I've been babied my whole life and I love it (laughs) um but I remember my brother who is seven years older than me and has always kind of treated me as like you know almost like a daughter figure he's Mm -hmm. he's very protective of me I remember him looking at me after we admitted that there was something going on and telling me that it was like I was running into oncoming traffic, but he couldn't stop me. He couldn't pull my arm. He couldn't jump in front of me. And he couldn't yell to me to tell me to stop running. And that has, for whatever reason, I mean, even now, so many years later, I still can, I can remember him looking me in the eye and saying that. 
And, you know, he's he's a funny, loving big brother, but yeah. he's not one to share yeah. those kind of emotional sides. And to hear him say that, I think that was one of the moments where I was like, okay, I got to, this has to stop. You're yeah. right. <laughs> it was it was more than the threat of school. That was very impactful. Did they, it sounds like just, I mean, I, and I know you're, mm-hmm. you're um, paraphrasing what your parents said, and it was a long time <laughs> ago, but did they, it sounds like they presumed that you had some control over this. Did they, or did yeah. they say she's, she's <laughs> got a sickness? Um, I don't, I don't know, I guess. I, mm-hmm. they definitely thought that there was something mm-hmm. like they could make me eat, you know? Yeah. Um, and the thing about this is once people realize that you have an eating problem, mm-hmm. you kind of start living in a fishbowl where everyone's watching you eat, Mm -hmm. which makes it worse, by the way. (laughs) People like being so mindful of of you eating is like, okay, I get it, you know? And that that went on for years. And it it was not of any fault. It was out of love. Mm -hmm. They they wanted to make sure that I was healthy when I was saying I was healthy. Um, But there was definitely a a point, um, specifically right when they – um, came to my college, which actually was the very end of a semester, right around Christmas. Mm-hmm. They, I was going home for you know winter break, and my parents came to that dinner that I had with my friends. Um, and my friends were like, "This is what we mean. Like this is what she's putting in her mouth. It's not a lot." And I remember sitting there and having my parents be like, "Why don't you just eat this or this or this?" Like you're a baby or something, <laughs> like, right? Okay. Yeah, it's not. And I, I was sitting there saying, I can't. Right. It's not it's not that. I can't. It's not the flavor. It's yeah. not the, the item itself. <laughs> no, right? It's just yeah. the food. But I mean, as a parent, I mean, not that I'm a parent, but I now realize as a parent, mm. your job in life is to make sure your kids are healthy and that yeah. they're growing and that they're getting nutrients. And seeing your child not want that, I mean, it must have felt awful for them. Yeah. But yes, I certainly think there was a time where they were like, why don't you just eat? Yeah. <laughs> just do it. So that period of time where um, they became aware, um, so they coped by just like telling you this is what you were going to do. They took control <laughs> of the situation. Would that be yes. accurate? Oh, absolutely. That's how they coped? They just yeah, took over? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. My sister, when I told her I was doing this, mm-hmm. she was like, are you going to talk about that time where we just dropped you off at counseling and just hoped for the best. <laughs> I was like, probably, it's probably going to come up. Yeah. And, and that is exactly what it was. I mean, I, it was somewhat lucky in the sense that I was home for winter break and had that month to, um, you know, try to get control in a good way over some of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally that was what they did. They were like, we're done. We're, this is it. We're going here. And yeah. <laughs> one day yeah. they just dropped me off. My sister always says it was Christmas Day. That's yeah. dramatic. It wasn't Christmas. Um, but it was very close. It might have been the 26th. <laughs> she remembers it maybe monopolizing that Christmas time. Oh, absolutely. Because right? yes. it was a family, a family thing. You yes. know? Um, I had a similar experience when my sister Joanne was first, my parents first discovered she had an anxiety disorder. It was... I remember the time of year. I remember everything about it because it just, it loomed over our house and it permeated every, everybody, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, so what was treatment like? What did you do and what was it like? 
So I was somewhat of a bad patient, which I guess there's a saying that all doctors make bad patients. So I lived up to it even before I was a doctor. Um, but I, when I went to group sessions, I would learn other people's tricks, right? So I spoke about how I had tricks of how I hid things and how I made it seem like I may have been having a full meal, but I would hear other people talk about their tricks. And then I would think, oh, that's actually a great idea. And I would take home and start learning other people's tricks. So um, I also had individual counseling and my individual counselor very quickly realized that I was only going to group sessions to pick up tricks. Um, so I did most of my treatment through individual counseling. Yeah. Um, and I had, it was just one counselor who I had a great relationship with. Um, it was a great therapeutic relationship and, um, she really helped me see the light in a lot of ways of like my thoughts mm-hmm. and reality and bringing those two together. Cause mm-hmm. they could not have been further mm-hmm. from each other mm-hmm. in that moment. We also had a few sessions where my family came mm-hmm. and I think that was, one healing for me but also healing for them because i think that was the time when they realized that this isn't just about megan why don't you just eat like mm-hmm. come on just do it mm-hmm. it was a lot more um and That's so having them come yeah sick yeah absolutely and i think up until that point a lot of them would say like megan's problem yeah and not that that hurt my feelings that's how i saw it too mm-hmm. um but i think hearing the counselor say like stop stop calling this megan's yeah. problem because yeah. it's not megan's problem it's it's all of our problem yeah. but also this goes deeper than a problem yeah so in order for therapy to work you have to be honest yeah it sounds like in the beginning you, maybe you weren't <laughs> i was not <laughs> i was terrible yeah um i remember i said to my parents like oh if you had just threatened therapy i would have i would have gotten better And then it wasn't until one of the family sessions Mm -hmm. where my parents were like, hey, remember when you said if we had just threatened this, you would have gotten better? And I was like, that was a total lie. I would not have gotten better. (laughs) So who called you out? Your therapist? Um, Both. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think she said, you know, this is one of those moments where perception and reality are not the same. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It was actually my parents who had who posed mm-hmm. the oh remember when oh, you said okay. that so that was yeah that but was it was calling out. yeah but it was her moment of being like yeah that was probably not true right Megan and I was like yeah that wasn't that wasn't wow. true <laughs> that was not true <laughs> so how long did you get treatment for so intensively for that mm-hmm. whole month I was mm-hmm. home because I still had the goal of wanting to go back to school I wasn't going to take a break. Um, and so with her intensively many times a week for that month, for four straight weeks, I think I was seeing her almost daily. Um, and then when I went back to school, she set up, um, with a counselor at the school, um, and they kind of did a sign out. I didn't have not as great of a relationship because it just wasn't as often, um, with the one at school. So I think I only saw them, um, a few times, but I still spoke to her over the phone Uh quite a few times. Um, for at least another four months, I would say. Yeah, that was um, probably before video visits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Zoom didn't exist back then. Um, but I, I certainly did still do phone visits for yeah. about four, four more months. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible that you connected with the therapist and were able to get that work done. I mean, some people, it takes them multiple therapist to even find a connection or a mm-hmm. chemistry or you know what I mean so, absolutely thank goodness yeah. that that happened for Luck. you yeah <laughs> right right um all right so you're on the other side of it 
yeah. you finished school. Mm-hmm. Is this something that, you know, the day you graduate from medical school, is this something you think about? Is this, what you know, is I, that part of you now? Um, it's funny. I didn't. I, I thought about the day I graduated medical mm-hmm. school, which I probably is one of the best days of my life. Um, but I didn't think of this, which I'm actually glad about yeah. <laughs> that it didn't yeah. come that long. Um, since this was my first year of college, I would say for at least the rest of college, Mm -hmm. I still had thoughts all the time, Mm -hmm. all the time. You're putting this in your mouth. How much, how many calories are in that? How, how do you do this? What do you do that? Um, luckily those thoughts were just thoughts. I was still, I had my eye on the prize. I knew I needed to eat. I need, I needed nutrition. I needed, um, fat and calories and all the things that my brain needs to keep learning new things. Um, and so I would say through most of college, I still thought about it a mm-hmm. lot. And then when I went to medical school and I think some of it was knowledge is power. So I started yeah. to learn about nutrition in a real way. Um, I, it just kind of faded away in mm-hmm. the sense that I just didn't think about it every day. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it all the time. And those four long years of medical school, um, it really had gone away by the time mm-hmm. I graduated medical school in the sense of the thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that day was so awesome. I still, oh, what a great day. And uh, it was hot though, really hot. And you mm-hmm. had to wear those robes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was dying of heat. Um, but my family was all there. And the first time that you get called Dr. Megan Jacobs, um, I literally, even among the crowd of people clapping, I could hear my family. Like it, they were there, and in that moment, I could hear just them. Um, and it was it was awesome. Um, and then I went into residency, where it's really hard because residency you work eighty hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about the most unhealthy time of anyone's life, I would say. You're working 80 hours, you're a doctor for the first time, you're worried about patients for the first time. Yeah, and you used to be able to abuse residents back then. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you used yes. to be able to make them work even more yes. than they were supposed to. We are the the house staff is the nice way of saying it, but really that just means that you were the people that did everything and and had to worry about everything. And, and it was an unhealthy time, and I gained a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I'm actually surprised that that didn't scare me more. Mm-hmm. But I think I was just so preoccupied with being a doctor that yeah. I, I didn't even have time to think about how much mm-hmm. weight I had gained. And then I moved home and I was studying for my boards mm-hmm. and I gained even more weight because I was studying for my boards and I was just eating and working. And it was my first time as an attending where I felt really the whole weight of the responsibility, even though as a resident, like all the jobs are on you, but all the weight is on the attending. Ultimately, it's my license, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's my decisions. I'm the one making the call. And it was the first time in my medical life where I couldn't look behind me and be Mm -hmm. like, okay, but this is what I'm going to do, right? (laughs) Right? There was no one behind me to be like, yes, that's what you're going to do. Are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so I I really did. I gained a lot of weight. um, And I think I started making comments that maybe my sister was, you know, the one to pick up on the most. Not that I was restricting, but that I was unhappy. I was unhappy with my body. Mm -hmm. I was unhappy with the way I looked. Um, And my sister was the first one to come to me and she was like, listen, I've not been the happiest with my body since I've had two kids either. And she was like, but we are not doing this again. So we're going to do it together and we're going to 
do it the right way and we're going to lose the weight that we both want to lose, but we're going to keep tabs on one another. Um, so I, for example, I don't have a scale in my house. Yeah. My sister has a scale at her house that we have used throughout mm-hmm. the process of, of losing weight. Um, but I, I just can't do it cause it was just going to be a risk for me. Yeah. Um, and so we would, um, weigh ourselves as part of the process, but only once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we were very strict on that. And again, always at her house and we just did it the right way. We, yeah. we, I watched my nutrition, I joined um, a gym of people that I really have become very close with, and I love going there. I love spending time with them. I feel a connection to them. Um, it's a small, like, little boutique gym, mm-hmm. so I see the same people every time. It's the same coaches every time, and I love it. And over the last year and a half, I've been able to lose all of the weight I needed to to become back to my healthy weight. Yeah. And I have not restricted once. I've not even thought about restricted, restricting once. I still indulge every now and then when I'm you mm-hmm. know, at a party or whatever. And it's felt good for the first time. I think this yeah. is like the first time in my life I can say I have a very healthy relationship with food and with it feels body. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and with my body. Yeah. I'm happy with where I am. Oh, I'm happy for you. <laughs> um, was there ever you know, such a dark moment where you thought you were going to you know, that the restriction in what you were doing um, was worth sacrificing school. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I also remember being 18 and, and having the attitude of the world. I remember challenging my parents. Yeah. You can't pull me out. I'm 18. I can do whatever I want. And I remember thinking, like, they just don't know the best way. I do. Yeah. Um, but, oh, absolutely. Many times mm-hmm. that I thought, you're just wrong. Like you just don't get it. Um, and it's so funny to me. I always say that like the me of then and the me of now could not be more different, but I still, it's like, it's like it was yesterday at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's, It's so funny to me that like, I can't, actually relate at all to that person it's like you're talking about somebody else it is but at the same time it's like it was yesterday so it's it's really interesting to be able to see such a a disconnect and I think some of that is now having the physician hat that I do wear and that I've seen other people go through this and as an outsider perspective Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. like oh (laughs) oh I get it now you know I get it more yeah um, and I've always been very, um, strict that I, I'm, if I'm a, in my physician role, that's the role I'm playing. And I don't ever bring myself into that, but it's certainly interesting to see it. Cause yeah. you're like, wow, okay, I get it. And now yeah. I see even more what my family was going through and why they were so scared and those things. Oh, well, I'm sure it, it makes you better in your work. Right? I hope so. I yeah. hope so. I yeah. hope it gives me perspective perspective. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So no more, no more, um, thoughts and behaviors. Those don't cross your mind anymore. You've made that clear. Um, you already talked to me about what, what that time in your life, looking back, you just described it for us. It's like it was somebody else, but is it, you know, we all have, um, pieces of us that are kind of pieces of our identity. And it's usually like it's usually either celebratory things or traumatic things or illness related things. Mm -hmm. Is that, do you feel like that's part of you that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, I think for, 
as long as I was still having the thoughts, mm-hmm. even even though even if I wasn't following them, as long as I was still having them, yeah. it was almost a shame. Like mm-hmm. it felt shameful that I mm-hmm. couldn't control them. I couldn't stop them. Um, and so I think for a long time it was, I did feel ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that, I would not want to talk about it. I wouldn't want to share it with new people that I met. And it's not like every person I meet, I'm like, hi, I'm Megan. By the way, I used to have an eating disorder. <laughs> like, that's not how I approach my life. <laughs> but now I, it's not something I'm ashamed of in any way. I'm, I'm proud of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, knowing that, um, eating disorders, specifically anorexia, is actually the most fatal of all mental health concerns. Mm-hmm. I made it. I I, I got through it. And I'm story. lucky. Mm-hmm. That's not how a lot of people's mm-hmm. cases go. And that makes me terribly sad to know that, that a lot of people don't survive this. Um, but I did. And I am so proud of that. But I also am not ashamed to share it. Yeah. Um, because if sharing it can help someone, then... I'm here to do that. Yeah, I certainly hope that um, my hope is that this this will be part of that plan. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you think would be important to share maybe for somebody listening who might be suffering or maybe parents of somebody suffering? Anything, anything else important that, that you'd like to say? I would say, just as you said, you do know when something is wrong, <laughs> whether you want to admit it whether you want to feel it, because feeling it sometimes is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. You know it's there, and asking for help is generally the first step and also the hardest of the steps that you'll make. Um, or for a parent or a fam- loved, mem- loved family member of someone, I would say calling them out is often hard, and they're not receptive. <laughs> I certainly was not. Um, but calling them out and knowing, I mean, I think I've talked about a lot, how my family's love and knowing that that's where that all came from is really what changed this for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not easy. It's a long journey, Um, but, but it it can help and it can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That seems like a great place to wrap up. Um, Megan, really, thank you so much for having the courage to do this and, and wanting to, to help others. I mean, that's what you do. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. Yeah. But this is just another way, you know, for you to do it, but it takes courage to do something like this. So, um, my listeners and I, I'm sure I'll wish you the very best in life and work. (laughs) Thank you. Um, the link to the brochure is going to be in the description of the, um, podcast. And if I'll just give you the American Academy of Family Physicians uh, website quickly. It's aafp.org. You could actually just go to that website and search eating disorders um, if you can't get to the link on the website or on the podcast description. Um, Thank you, listeners, and I appreciate everybody being a part of this project and being a part of this special podcast today. Until next time, stay well. This Girl Puts Out is officially signing off. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.